Welcome into another edition of New Track Record. Caleb Hatch and Justin Kinney with you. Hello, Justin. Hello, Caleb. What's up? Well, we're ready to recap Road America, the Rev Group Grand Prix at Road America last weekend on Father's Day. Now, I didn't watch the race live. Did you? Actually, as close to live as I have in quite some time, actually. Uh, the plan was to go to, to some family's uh, house on Sunday and do some swimming and cook out, and, and that got canceled. So I literally did nothing all day. I, 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 I put off having to mow, and oh, I'm going to do it in the evening, and by then it had started raining, so I got out of that. So I literally uh, was probably an hour behind and uh, I hadn't heard from you. Usually you're cordial enough to just assume I'm not watching live. <laughs> True. Um, but before texting you about the ending, I asked if you had watched it yet. So Because I hadn't heard from you. You hadn't. So I actually got the race in before you. And I can't remember the last time that's been the case. Yeah, it's, it's been a while. But uh, it was a great race for Road America. We all picked Joseph Newgarden going into the weekend. We were looking so smart. <laughs> yes, we were looking like geniuses. We thought, okay, Team Penske finally going to get you know the first win of the season after an 0 for 8 start. And then um, last couple of laps happened. Uh, Newgarden got passed on the restart with a couple laps to go by Alex Pillow. who had been kind of stalking him, but never really seemed that close. And then... Boom. Newgarden keeps slipping further and further back with a gearbox issue. Ends up finishing 21st after dominating the race. He led 32 laps in this one. I think he's led 99 of the past 125 laps in competition now. Zero wins. Um, Just get right into my takeaways. I think my first takeaway is, you know, with Pinsky struggling so far this season, struggling for wins, mind you. It's not like they're yes. struggling for pace or for podium positions. Um, Will Power was third, so it's not like they weren't up there. Obviously, Newgarden dominated. But I'm starting to wonder with Pinsky, is it more than just bad luck? And is it, you know, they're missing some little things. We're seeing mechanical errors that we don't see out of Pinsky multiple race weekends in a row. We have Newgarden with a gearbox issue, and then we have Will Power on, on the mess at Detroit. And then, obviously, the strategy call was wrong for Newgarden in Detroit, too. I mean, that's three races in a, in a row with mistakes that were made by the team. And I just kind of wonder, like, is there more into it or, or am I just overreacting? Uh, I think there's a little bit more to it. May, maybe not as much as what you're insinuating, but I feel, you know, we were told that, you know, the addition of a fourth car would not impact the other three. And maybe we're seeing some sort of impact in terms of people being stretched uh, thin or or new people being put at thrust into positions to cover all four cars. I also I would more sense it that it is it is more pressure on Penske. I think the longer they go without a win, the more pressure they feel, and maybe the more tight they are, and maybe more prone to mistakes. So as that pressure mounts, it can weigh down you know uh, people and and force even more mistakes. I do think it's a little bit of mix of everything. I even throw bad luck in there. I definitely think it's some bad luck over the last, particularly the last couple of weeks. Uh, but at the same time, I feel like there's deficiencies in that team that we normally don't see. And I would be surprised if um, somebody's job or jobs aren't on the line going forward if they aren't 
already dismissed. I mean, this is a team that does not tolerate the things that are happening. And, and I guess my point with everything is, look, if you have something that happens once, maybe twice, to me that's a coincidence when it's a trend, though. And we have three races in a row where you have a mechanical issue or a bad strategy call. I mean, they, they completely whiffed on strategy for New Garden. It wasn't, you know, if he was going to hang on in Detroit 2, it was would it be Colton Herta if it stayed green passing him? Or if there was a restart, we knew that anything could happen and, and ultimately Pato Award won Detroit 2. But, but I guess my point is you can have something happen here and there and it's, oh, that's just bad luck. But when it becomes a trend, I feel like it's more than that. I mean, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you at this point that um, I, I think as as bad luck and bad decision-making and all that kind of starts steamrolling, it can be tough to get out of that and tough to stop the negative momentum. And I feel like um, we're there. But, you know, you take away a red flag, and we talked about that at length last week, Caleb. You take away that red, and Will Power wins comfortably, right? You yeah. take away the yellow last Sunday late, and Joseph Newgarden wins comfortably. So yep. while it's not all bad luck, those two instances in particular are bad luck. And without him, Penske has two wins over the last three races. So I think it, it boils down to just wrong place, wrong time in a lot of these instances where, you know, we're still talking Penske and we're going to get to it in here a little bit. But I can guarantee you the happiest team with Penske continuing to struggle is Andretti Autosport because the focus isn't really on them on how bad they've been. And we'll break down the numbers here in just a little bit, Caleb. But it's obvious that Andretti Autosport is having the worst season uh, above Team Penske. Yeah, and you know, I kind of like what you referenced a bit earlier. Essentially, Team Penske could be pressing, and there's a, a crew on Andretti Autosport and a driver on Andretti Autosport. I think that is also the case at, at the same time where, you know, you're wondering what's wrong, what's been happening, why is this, you know, keep going this way. You start pressing, you make mistakes more so, like you said, than you would have before. Especially when you know you're with an organization does, that does not tolerate failure, that does not tolerate not winning races or championships or Indianapolis 500s. That can be in your mind, in the back of your mind. And as you go each event, you go without a win, you can start pushing a little bit. Maybe you're cutting corners a little bit. Maybe you're pushing things and technology and parts a little bit too far, trying to um, make up for you know lack of results. And these things can happen. So... Extremely difficult to see um, what happened the last couple of weeks. I'm not going to say I felt bad, especially for power, <laughs> but uh, I don't think anybody feels bad for Team Penske right now. Uh, nor does Team Penske feel that the anybody should be feeling bad for them. But uh, at the same time, it, it's been some shocking turn of events over the last couple of weeks for Team Penske drivers. Oh, for sure. And again, they're competitive, but the fact that this keeps happening. I think it is a not really a concern because I think they're going to win a race, but it tells you how much other teams have caught up to Penske in the past couple of years. And, you know, could that be the aero screen era? They just haven't figured the cars out since then because they were dominant before. I mean, they won the two previous Indy 500s before the aero screen was introduced. They've struggled at Indy since the aero screen's been introduced in qualifying and in the race. And so far this year, they're over in the 2021 season. This is what we all wanted. We wanted parity. 
So I don't think there's very, like I mentioned, I don't think there's very many people out there that feel sorry for Team Penske. But at the same time, this is what we wanted. And yet it's a focal point, a talking point that Penske is struggling. Yet uh, this is what we like. It's kind of like talking when Alabama and Clemson are struggling if they have a, a loss or two during the season in college football. That's what we wanted, right? We wanted some different flavor up the t- at the top, yet it's a focal point that Alabama and Clemson are struggling. So similar to what we're seeing in IndyCar right now, like you, like you said, Caleb, I don't think they go over for the season. But at the same time, it's looking increasingly more difficult for any Team Penske driver uh, to be competing for a championship right now. I mean, it's Joseph Newgardner bust at this point. Yeah, and, you know, for Alabama and Clemson, I mean, those teams struggling, it's like having a bad quarter, and people start to wonder, what's wrong? <laughs> yeah, right, I know. <laughs> oh, my gosh, they're down seven after the first quarter. What's going on? Oh, no. <laughs> uh, I, wild guess. Your first takeaway is Andretti Autosport? Well, you know, I'm uh, not yet. Okay. Uh, we'll pace ourselves. I'm going to stick with, with Joseph Newgarden. I'm going to stick with Team Penske here. And, and the... The dichotomy between how Will Power handled himself after Detroit won and how Joseph Newgarden handled himself after Road America. It was night and day. Um, Joseph Newgarden, granted, he got a little bit extra time uh, to cool down, but, you know, the coverage, you know, they, they left the coverage. So this was seen afterwards. Um, the interview with Joseph Newgarden, you know, didn't throw a fit, didn't blame anyone, didn't blame IndyCar, didn't blame anything. Uh, just said it sucked, basically. Completely different from what we saw Will Power in the pits, throwing water bottles, pissed off, b- basically just uh, I'm almost out of control even, was Kevin Lee was talking to him. And uh, it, it was just interesting to see two drivers, the same organization, nearly the enti- the same thing happened to them, mechanicals late that cost them a win, and one of them handled it extremely, extremely maturely, and the other extremely immaturely. Well, and I think Newgarden caught up with a young fan after all that happened, too. I think I saw a post on social media. Yeah, and I, yeah me too. I saw that. So, look... Joseph Newgarden carried the way, himself the way that Team Penske wants its drivers to carry themselves and how you would expect a driver to handle that and 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 Will Power didn't and I wouldn't I would be surprised if there wasn't a conversation with Will Power after that. Look, we all know how passionate Will Power is. I'm not saying he can't be passionate, but he needs to rein it in a little bit uh, in, in those types of instances, particularly when you're racing for the organization like Team Penske. So I just thought, you know, for my first take, it was um, it was really really fascinating to watch how each of them handled adversity, and I feel one person passed, the other one failed. Well, and I, I guess I wouldn't expect Newgarden to come away super fiery. That's just not, not his who style. he is. Yeah, right. I mean, Will Power is a fiery personality. I mean, and that, that is part of just kind of him as a race car driver. Yeah, and and then that's fine, too. I just Part of me, and then we've talked about it before, I don't like the way Will Power lashes out at other people, other drivers other in the entire series when something goes wrong. I feel like a lot of those conversations can be held behind closed doors or, you know, sometimes just take ownership or just chalk it up to bad luck. It was Joseph Newgarden. It sucked. It happens. Um, but, you know, I understand that Will Power and Joseph Newgarden are not alike when it, when it comes to doing that. But I still think uh, you need to handle yourself better. Devil's advocate with Will Power, I mean, if he's just a, a boring drone, 
and, and True. brushes it off. I get it. I'm just saying, like, people clamor for, the, the fans clamor for the personalities to shine and, you know, people to be more, I don't even know the right word, but, but controversial, I guess. I mean, That's just, probably not the right word. They don't word. want robots. I understand exactly. that. And you could say Joseph Newgarden very much is like a robot. Look, I, I feel like Will Power can be passionate. He has been passionate in the past without crossing a line. And I feel like last Saturday crossed a line, in my opinion. And, and I'm, I'm probably in the minority, but that's how I feel. I mean, I, I can think of like several offhand times that he probably crossed the line. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? This is not the one and only time. No. For sure. What was your number two? Uh, my number two. How about Ramon Crojean? Yeah, how about uh, I mean, Grishon? the way he took to Road America, didn't he lead the first practice session? Uh, yes, he did, as a matter of fact. So I, I this is his first track. Well, uh, check that. Second track that he's run this year that is kind of more of a European style. I, I mean, I guess the IMS Road Course kind of fits because it's a... a uh, it's what, kind of a Euro FIA track. Yeah. yeah. I mean... But Sweeping turns. Road America to me, I mean, Barber was his first race, so I give him a pass there. But Road America was a track that I everyone thought going into the weekend, well, this is going to suit the F1 guys because it's a long course like an F1 track. Uh, you have long straights and sweeping corners and, you know, a lot of terrain going up and down. And I was super impressed with not only his practice times and, and qualifying. I mean, he didn't qualify as well as I think he thought and a lot of us thought. Uh, only starting seventh when I think we thought he'd be a fast six contender. But coming away with a fifth-place finish, racing guys very hard late in the race. And uh, very fair, too. Yes. Just aggressive but not crossing that line. Yeah, and, and I think I came away super impressed with him. I mean, he continues to progress a, a top five, and he'll have you know another opportunity at, at Mid-Ohio to do something. I just think not only has he exceeded expectations in year one look we expected him to be able to contend for a podium and you know get top tens top fives i mean he's a talented race car driver but i think he's doing it more consistently and putting together more results that it's not just oh you know could he run full-time next year it's Will he even be with the same team next year <laughs> i mean take away detroit which was just a disaster of a weekend and not i mean not all on him well, you issues. have one practice session. Yeah. It's a tight course. I'm not going to hold that against a rookie who's never raced there. I mean, it's right. just you're asking a lot. But now, if the there's same, more track time, yeah. I would have had higher expectations. But at the same time, he had a 13th at St. Pete, which you felt was in a lot, a lot, a similar situation in a lot of ways and, and did well. But take away the Detroit. I mean, you, you have to factor it in. But outside of Detroit, uh, he's been 10th, 13th, 2nd, and 5th. Yeah. I mean, those those are tremendous uh, results for a guy, you know, thrown into the deep end and uh, has really, you know, been, like I said, been, been aggressive, been competitive and looked the part of an IndyCar driver, both in the paddock and on track. I mean, I, I feel like it's a natural fit for him. It's exciting. And I most definitely think that, you know, in the second half of the season, I wouldn't be surprised if if Grosjean gets a victory. I'm not saying he does. But I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a win somewhere. I mean, they raced at the IMS road course again. Yeah. He won the pole. He finished second. There's there's a chance there for something. There is very much a chance. Something to happen. And so I, I just thought, you know, 
he was racing guys and making you know guys who normally race pretty hard kind of agitated on the radio. I mean, didn't he kind of have a, a a tie-in? Was it with Graham Rahal or Simon Paggio? One of the two. Uh, it I, was pretty tight. I don't think it was Rahal. Rahal had an incident with somebody else. Maybe was it Ryan Hunter Ray? I'm not sure. E- either way, he yeah. was going he, for he it. He wanted a penalty on somebody. Mm-hmm. Roman, uh, Graham Rahal wanted a penalty on somebody. I can't remember. Who, but um, no, but I think I think it's aggravation from other drivers, but it's fair. It's fair racing. It's just being aggressive. I feel like he's on the uh, Takuma Sato is a similar guy, but occasionally will cross that line, right? Oh, I feel sure. like Grosjean is right on that line, but we haven't seen him cross it yet. Well, and also, I mean, what a change for him to have a car that's actually competitive and you can actually race with the leaders at the front of the field and have a chance i mean that's all you're asking for when you leave f1 and come to any car is just a chance to win and we've seen grosjean finish second erickson win i mean rossi's obviously had a pretty solid career since switching even though he ran a handful of races i mean max chilton's even you know been more competitive in any car than he was in f1 running at the back with uh, marusha who am I forgetting as far as full-time guys? I mean, Sato obviously is in a great situation. Right. Rossi. You mentioned Rossi. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, look, look at it from, from Grosjean's perspective because we're saying, you know, he's racing for a team that, you know, th- they can contend for wins but not consistently. But can, do you, can you believe just how big of a jump it is for – uh, for for Grosjean to be in the position that he is with this team, I mean, this is exponentially better than anything he had at Haas. He was he was lucky to be competing for points at Haas. To be to be tenth or ninth was like a victory the last couple years with Haas. And now he comes to a team, and you're saying, well, they're not consistently uh, competing and for wins, but they're they can compete any any weekend. I mean, it's just not dead. You, you know, you're, you're screwed every weekend. It's you know, you have a shot, and I think that's what Grosjean wants. He just wants a chance, and I think more and more drivers are going to gravitate towards that once the money dries up and the opportunities, um, the doors close with F1, is they can go to a place where they can compete, even with a team that you and I consider not to be a consistent contender week in and week out. But they're more in line with a mid-pack team because they can luck into a win on strategy, and uh, Nathan Brown of the Indy Star has a good write up on Rick Ware racing uh, on what they're doing and and you know we haven't even touched on Cody Ware and his debut in IndyCar but Grosjean's deal as far as the sponsorship with Nurtec ODT which is like for migraine headaches Chloe Kardashian oddly is like a spokesperson for them anyway yeah. so they could have spread out the deal more you know with Nurtec on the IndyCar side that they added or you know, they could have, you know, Rick Ware decided, let's just do the first three races in IndyCar and then see where we're at. Well, the third race, <laughs> Rojan wins the pole, finishes second, gets on the podium at IMS. Obviously, that relationship is working, and I think they're looking to extend it next year. And then on, you know, the cup side, they might get rid of up to two of the charters. Um, but, I mean, he, there's an opportunity here. I just I kind of wonder now. As Grosjean, basically, with his talent level, by the end of the season, can Dale Quinn even afford to keep him? Well, at this point, you know, we talk so much about how much of a chance um, that that you have an IndyCar compared to Formula One, but look at Rick Ware Racing. And, yeah, they have a couple charters in Cup. They're racing every race, but they're not a factor. No, I mean, they're lucky to get 
top 25 with any of the four cars. Yeah, absolutely. So even taking IndyCar, comparing it to to Cup, is Rick Ware Racing has a lot better opportunity to challenge for podiums and, dare I say, wins than they do in Cup. And so I think, you know, in so many words, Rick Ware Racing, Rick Ware said that in that article with Nathan Brown is, look, we can invest millions more dollars in Cup and then compete for top 15s and top 20s, you know, by gaining, you know, spending millions. Or we can spend some millions on the IndyCar side and compete for top 10s and occasional top 5s and and maybe even a victory here or there if they can keep Grosjean. So it's not just F1. I think you're seeing a path to IndyCar maybe potentially laid by Rick Ware. We kind of scoffed at the beginning of this whole thing. Now I think you're looking at Rick Ware as a as a legitimate long-term partner with IndyCar, and maybe he has laid the groundwork for another cup team or two at some point to look to jump over. Well, and Fittipaldi mentioned that article could run a cup race later in the year. Um, they mentioned, but the the quote from Rick Ware, I think this is hilarious, but he says, IndyCar is like going to your cool single uncle's house has a big pool. It's cooler than your dad. He's great to visit, but our living is somewhere else. But we take this very seriously. <laughs> My company is investing in the IndyCar series for the next several years. So again, NASCAR is, you know, their bread and butter, yeah. but this opportunity has worked out, I think, probably far and above what they would have guessed yeah. Basically, they had the three races. They did the first three instead of spreading them out. And then now they're just kind of pulling the, the sponsorship from uh, Cody Ware's cup program to, to make the IndyCar side work. But I just think this relationship has been kind of new. They did the Indy 500 last year with James Davison and Dale Coyne, if you recall. And it's become so much more. I just wonder, again, I don't see how they're going to keep Grosjean this offseason. What would be the, the destination you feel? For Grosjean, um, just whatever's available. I mean, what's better? I, I mean, well, we'll talk about Penske here in a little bit, but we don't think there'll be a seat open there. No. Uh, or will there? Stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ganassi, probably not. No. Uh, Andretti, probably. Okay. McLaren, maybe. M- yeah, maybe. I mean, those are the two teams that I think that are a step above. Yeah, true. I, that again, Penske, Ganassi, I don't think those are options. But, yeah, I, I, it's interesting, and I just I came away very impressed because it wasn't that he got a top five on, you know, strategy or something. You know, I mean, he was racing Legit, with these guys. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Legitimate on track. So that was my second takeaway. Um, my second takeaway is Alex Pillow. And one of the things we talked about, Caleb, last week is one of the potential storylines was, was Alex Pillow going to be able to pad his then one-point points lead uh, out of Road America? And the answer is yes. Now leads by 28 points over Pato Award. And yes, he, I don't know if you want to say, he lucked into the win, let's be honest. Um, probably didn't have anything for New Garden on that final restart if New Garden was okay. But here's a guy that has never in his career, pro racing career, won a series championship at any level of racing, from Formula 3 to GP3 to Super Formulas uh, to Super GT to Formula 2. Nothing. Has never won a championship. So, Caleb, with, what, seven races to go 
can a guy that's never won a series championship of any kind at the pro level win one this year in IndyCar? Can he? Yes. Will he? I don't know. I mean, Pato won Indy Lights a couple of years ago. What, in 2018, I believe? Yeah. Or 2019? Yeah. 2019? 2019. Yeah, it would have been 2019. Obviously, Dixon has won plenty of championships Yeah, in IndyCar, six time. Joseph sitting there still, mm-hmm. although he's approaching he's that 100 points far down. Back. Yeah, I, I think it'll be tough. And, and real quick, I forgot to mention with Rick Ware, Cody Ware expected to run Nashville and then all the races on the IMS uh, IndyCar NASCAR doubleheader weekend, yeah. Xfinity, IndyCar, and Cup. So that will be something to follow. And 19th for him in his debut, pretty, pretty solid. Um, we'll get more comparison on that a bit later on. But, yeah, with Pelot... One, I think he's becoming a, a pretty interesting personality. I think you'd yeah. agree with that. He's coming out of his shell a bit, mm-hmm. you know. He's a fun guy to root for. Uh, the whole fried chicken, you know, after a victory, <laughs> that's fun. Yeah. Um, and he's done some things in the 10 car that, I mean, that's the 10 car. We haven't seen multiple race wins in a, in a season in the 10 car, going back to Dario Franchitti in 2011. So, I mean, it feels it's been like- a while. 20 years, not 10 yeah. years yeah. in that car. I mean, you look at what Alex Pillow has done to, to to take the points lead now. Has five podiums this year and a fourth place at Texas 1. So um, out of nine races, he has six finishes of fourth and above. Um, you know, you can chalk up Road America's win as luck, but this guy has shown pace everywhere we've gone. His lowest... Uh, finish was at St. Pete, 17th, had a 15th at Detroit 1. But otherwise, he's been up there in the mix every single week. And the question for the 24-year-old now is, can he continue it for another seven races and potentially win um, Chip Ganassi's racing's first championship since Dario, right? Yeah, for the 10 car. Yeah, Dario won the title in 2011, and that was it. I mean, he won the Indy 500 in 2012. And he was retired by 2013. Yeah, so uh, in terms of surprise, you know, we put up a poll that we'll get here in a little bit. You know, after after the races, you know, so far this season, which points position is the most surprising? It was overwhelmingly Alex Pillow in first right now. And, you know, no lead is comfortable, but he has a bit of breathing room heading into mid-Ohio. Yeah, and, and again, our season-long Alex Blow apology and Chip Ganassi Racing <laughs> apology tour continues as we continue to look even more stupid uh, with that prediction that Ganassi would struggle this season. <laughs> well, we, we, we usually well, that was don't, my prediction. Yeah, we usually I'll don't need it. much help in looking stupid, so uh, this is just, you know, add it to the list. Oh, for sure. So, yeah, Alex Blow great weekend you know sometimes you just have to be in the right place at the right time we, we saw that with marcus erickson at detroit we saw it with below at road america and it's worked out ganassi's been very lucky this season let's also throw that in there and you know when we talk about you know feeders when we look at sports cars and and how that's been not just with drivers but teams as well and you're seeing then the trickle down effect with formula one and formula two is has indycar found another potential pipeline into Super Formula, because with Alex Pillow coming from over over there, uh, you have to feel as if the you know he may not be the only one. Uh, could Team Go potentially have another driver that they would partner with coming over here? Uh, and and with 
Takuma Sato getting advanced in age, although you know I feel like he's ageless and he can roll, run to a seventy. Um, it wouldn't be the worst thing for IndyCar to have another Super Formula driver that is a Japanese driver come over in the next couple of years. Yeah, I mean, eventually they're going to have to find a replacement for Sato, and I don't think it's going to be uh, Yuki Sonoda who's in Formula One at the moment. I don't Probably think not, that's... although if he keeps crashing, <laughs> true, he may not be around. But interestingly, as I'm looking at the 2021 Super Formula Championship, Caleb, they have the list of teams, and Team Go is in there, but they also have NTT Communications Rookie. That's the, the team that's listed. I don't know if it's a sponsored NTT communications team or if it's some sort of automatic birth as a rookie or something. I don't know. But NTT communications rookie with the driver Kazuya Oshima. Hmm. So I thought that was kind of interesting. We know NTT, of course, is a big Japanese company, but it looks like they have a presence in Super Formula. So that could that be another... Um, really connection to super formula that could foster in the coming years for IndyCar. It'd be cool if they went back to Japan and did a super formula IndyCar weekend. Sign me up. They race yeah. at Twin Motegi. Motegi. Yeah, super well, formula on the, does. on the road course. Right, but I'm fine. Go back to the road course at, at Motegi. I don't care. All right. Yeah, that'd be, that would be interesting. It'd be something different since we're going to have zero international races this season. More on that a little bit later. Uh, third takeaway for me... You know, I could do TV ratings, uh, but I got to give a shout out to Max Chilton. Hey! Harlan Racing, a top 10, 10th place at Road America. Uh, they, they, he even led a lap, uh, actually several laps, seven laps led, second most laps led in the race. So Chilton able to drive from 22nd to 10th, uh, tied for making up the most positions with uh, Sato, who also made up 12, and uh, Marcus Erickson, who also made up 12 so shout out to max chilton uh 10th place finish that's his first top 10 according to beyond the flags going back to watkins Glen 2017 Ooh. so it's been a while but i mean that's a huge result for that team to stay in the leader circle race in the top 22 yeah, so i, I gotta give carlin the shout out because i think that's something worth noting uh still 24th right now uh, with that car now the the uh did not start for carlin where was that at uh indy gp yeah that wasn't That's a good gonna thing hurt them a lot yeah for sure but uh i wonder when it's the last uh when's the last top 10 for carlin in in indycar uh you don't have to go back that far because it would have been what iowa last year was it i mean i don't know i mean with connor daly at the oval is that's true i forgot iowa connor daly, or- yeah I mean, he started on pole from I- at Iowa, right? Yeah, one of the, well, double header, but I think the first race he was on pole, and second he started like second or third. Yeah, so yeah, I ignore that. I forgot about Connor Daly. <laughs> so, but so you're going positive with your third, so yeah. that means I have to go negative with my third, <laughs> right? That's how we uh, even things out. Uh, we teased Andretti Autosport earlier and and their futility, and you know, obviously the the big talking point uh, is Team Penske's struggles. But it's obvious to anyone that looks at the numbers that it is Andretti Autosport that is having the more horrific season despite their win. So once again, another forgettable weekend for Andretti Autosport. Colton Hurd, a runner-up, yeah, he's been the only guy all year long. I mean, the next closest, next top finish is Rossi in seventh. 
And um, that was and, tied for his best finish on the season, <laughs> which is pathetic. And then Hunter Ray, 13th. And then, you know, James Hinchcliffe, 15th. Was that his best finish of the year? Uh, I believe so. For uh, Hinch. No, he was 14th at Detroit, too. So, okay. Uh, you know, I mean, Hinch is basically riding around, and you're like, I didn't even know he competed, right? I, exactly, and and so um, when we put this up for Paul Caleb on Twitter, and we got some some votes on it, and it was heavily favored to Andretti Autosport. So um, our Twitter followers are very intelligent. Uh, the the poll: Which four car team is having a worse IndyCar season? Team Penske is at zero wins, of course, because everybody wants to talk about that. But they still have eight podiums. And two drivers in the top 10 in points. Andretti Autosport has that one win from Colton Herta, but two podiums total. So, what, one other podium outside of that win? And that was Colton Herta this past weekend? Call me crazy, but I actually voted Penske because of how close they've been to getting the results without getting the results. With Andretti, I mean, if you would have told me, oh, we're halfway through the season or just past halfway and they have one win, I'd be like, okay, yeah, whatever. But for Penske, I would have said no way. Like, there's no way they don't have a win, you know, through Road America on the schedule. I mean, but I I just feel like you break it down, one win, one other podium outside of that win, and both podiums are by Colton Herta, and one driver in the top 10 in, in top 12 in points. So I believe, Caleb that the four Penske drivers are all ahead of the other three Andretti Autosport drivers in the points, correct? Will Power, Scott McLaughlin, 11th and 12th. You have Joseph Newgarden, 4th, Simon Pagino, 5th. The only one in the top 12 in points for Andretti Autosport is Colton Herta. Yeah, but look, I mean, Hinchcliffe, that's a... They've had a fourth car, but that's in theory like a new program i mean you then, take some convincing to tell me they have a fourth car because i don't ever see it <laughs> out there then you have hunter a who outside of the indy 500 is has struggled this season then you have rossi who's struggled for a couple of years i mean this we're two years now it's starting to get into dare i say like how many years since you know rossi won a race you know marco territory uh, look it's only been two years but it's yeah. it feels like it's been like five right and Colton Hurd is the guy who's always had the pace on that team since he joined that team a couple of years ago. So we were trying to pinpoint where the blame lies for Team Penske. Is is it purely bad luck? Is it, you know, some issues behind the scenes? What is, let's ask the same question for Andretti Autosport, is what is going on? What, who do we blame? Whose fault is it? And how do they fix it? I think it's uh, strategy errors, and I think... They just need to shuffle up some of the management staff. And I don't think their engineering program is as strong as it is. Look, they had Craig Hampson, I think, a couple of years ago. He went to McLaren. I mean, Craig's been around to several different teams. He was with Coin when Bourdais was there, and they were a great pairing. Uh, now he's with Aaron McLaren SP, overseeing their entire engineering program. Um, three straight races with a, a female engineer yeah. on the winning team also. Pretty cool. That's pointed out by Kara Adams of Firestone. That's pretty cool. But, you know, I'm not sure who the engineers are for Andretti, but they've had a lot of the same guys with the same teams for a while. And that's great when it's working, but it has been working for a couple of years now. Maybe they just need to shuffle it up. You know, I, I don't know. Herta side, that team seems fine. Herta, I think, will... Probably win another race second half of the season. I don't think that's a stretch. But for the other guys, I mean, 
this is a team that should win three to five races every season. Right, absolutely. Especially and with the lo- – I mean, they upgraded their lineup, too, in the offseason. Did they, though? I mean, we, you and I went back and forth with this. Is they basically exchanged Marco for Hinch. Uh, is that Veach, really an upgrade? Veach for Hinch drop Marco. True. I would say that's an upgrade. Um, you know, let's look at it. James Hinchcliffe's currently 20th in points. I mean, he's – He's Last, a guy who has six career wins, but he hasn't won a race since, what, 2018 in Iowa? So, I mean, I mean it's he, been a while. He is ahead of Veach. Veach finished 21st in points, but he did not race the final three races of the season either. So, compare and contrast. I'm not laying all the blame on James Kinchcliffe. I'm just saying you're getting less of what you got out of Veach last year in terms of results. And at the very, yeah. at the very best, equal amounts. So um, there, there's, I don't know where to start with Andretti. I don't think there's one, uh, one problem, one specific problem. I think the talented drivers are pressing, aka Hunter Ray and Rossi. I'm not saying Hinch isn't talented, but I think there's more going on than just that with the Hinch program. I feel like uh, Rossi is definitely pushing, but I also think that um, they're they're. I don't know. They say they're too comfortable behind the scenes i don't know if that's true but i just feel like they're out of ideas i think those and that goes for rhr and rossi's teams Mm -hmm. i think behind the scenes they're just they're just they don't know what to do and i think a fresh start for both of them look i don't know if rhr leaves and goes to another team i don't know maybe he just could retire but rossi definitely um he's racing for somebody else next year I mean, I don't think there's. It's he's not a hundred percent, but it's it's. I, I would put it at ninety percent right now. He's still under contract, but like you said, that you know they may work something out, or he, another team that has a lot more money may buy out his contract. I just feel like he needs a fresh start, and I think that team. I think Rob Edwards needs to hit the the reset, and I feel like he needs a fresh driver to 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 kind of build around. I, I just. It's it's not going to get any better. We we talked about it. Just the toxicity of that team is just going to get worse and worse as their you know irrelevant results as as we heard or another irrelevant weekend or whatever <laughs> yeah. that we heard out of uh, Alexander a Rossi. So video we watch Hunter Ray and Rossi and Rossi said at the end, yeah, yet another irrelevant weekend. And Hunter Ray was like, yep. So I mean, it just kind of sums it up. And, and you I, know, with Rossi, they went into Road America on a track that. That was his last win in 2019 that he's you know had success at, and they probably thought okay we can muster up a, a good result this weekend, and a seventh. I mean I don't think that's what they had in mind. I mean he was competitive practice times, but qualifying he didn't quite get there, and you know Herta when he's gone off the truck fast, I mean he has stayed fast and usually had a great result that weekend. But for the other guys it's just been so inconsistent when it comes to speed. I mean there's a huge difference between practice one and practice two as far as the timesheets go and you know i i think rossi could ultimately i mean his contract could get bought out and he goes to another team if if he can put together decent enough results to still be kind of a wanted guy 
This is around the time last year that we saw Rossi turn it on. I mean, it was yeah. mid-Ohio where he got his first podium or second podium of the year. He was on podium at Road America, too. One at mid-Ohio in, what, 2018? Uh, yeah. So, uh, he had, of course, it was a doubleheader at mid-Ohio last year, had two podiums, and then had two podiums um, at IMS on the road course. So, with mid-Ohio coming up um, next week, and then Nashville in there, and then to IMS again maybe this is once again we see um, you know Alexander Rossi get it going again but as much as he struggled in the first half of last year and it was such a talking point he has been even worse this year Caleb oh much worse you know last year he got caught up in a lot of incidents I mean there's nothing you can do this year it's just it's seemingly been a lack of speed yeah it's just it's lack of you know and and so it's 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 bad for Alexander Rossi right now, and that team, and bad for Ryan Hunter Ray, and, and I'm really not as uh, surprised with Ryan Hunter Ray because he's kind of in the he's he even you know, he was kind of the back end of his career anyway at this point. I mean, maybe he could breathe some new life into it if he went elsewhere, but I just don't see Ryan Hunter Ray ever being a series championship contender anymore. But no. there's no excuse for Rossi at this point. Yeah, I mean, for Hunter Ray, he should be challenging for the top 10 in points for Rossi though like you said there's not really an excuse but I mean they that whole team struggled last season until the second half of the season they really came on strong at the end of the year which kind of saved I think a lot of people's jobs within that oh for that sure. team because they felt okay we we got it together at the end of the season we're going to take that into 2021 and it just hasn't materialized so I said it a couple of weeks ago Caleb I know regardless of how this season finishes unless he gets three or four wins here in the next seven races I feel you need to make some really really difficult decisions uh, with that team whether it be Rossi or not I, I don't see Ale- uh, Andretti Autosport willingly giving up Alexander Rossi, but oh, I could no. see Rossi forcing the issue and saying, "Look, yes. I got to go somewhere else." Yeah, no, I, I could, but I see him leaving if another team buys him out, and, and it's I think not, that's a possibility. And it's not like five years ago where it's like, okay, if you're if you're not, you know, Ganassi or Penske or Andretti, where are you going? Type thing. There are legitimate options. I mean, particularly look, McLaren. Got, yeah, McLaren, obviously, but then even. Ed Carpenter Racing, I'm not saying he's going to run for them because I don't think he will. I mean, they're competitive. Yeah, they're winning uh, races. Ray Hall, that's not the, yeah. Ray Hall has been competitive for several years now. So, I mean, there are legitimate options that he can go to. All right, let's talk something positive. Let's do it. As we wrap up a Road America recap here. So, um, TV ratings, something that we always, I think, get nervous about before they come out on Twitter and, you know, we see the numbers. But this time... I think we were all stunned at the result that came out of the TV ratings for Road America. Because mind you, NBCSN race expectations are pretty low, correct? I mean, yeah. we're thinking, what, 400,000 viewers would be solid? Yeah, well, sure. Uh, double that. Yeah, double that. 807,000 viewers for IndyCar at Road America, which is a massive number for IndyCar on NBCSN. Um, that's a number that was even close to what they they got Detroit race one. Um, total audience delivery for NBC, so this is streaming and TV, was 807,000. Uh, most since mid-Ohio in 2016, and I was trying to do some research and then finally figured out what that was. So that was a race that was 
on CNBC and then the NASCAR race got delayed and then they, you know, simulcast it on NBCSN and that's why that race got a massive number, which was 934,000 total, total audience delivery. Uh, so third most watched IndyCar race on record on NBCSN behind that mid-Ohio race and then the championship race at Snowba in 2015, which that was what, like 947,000 viewers? Yeah. I mean, close to a million um, also, NBC Sports off to its best ever season of IndyCar viewership on NBCSN. Uh, total audience delivery of 530,000 viewers across the first three races, up 59% versus 2020, 38% versus 2019. So, all in all, huge numbers. And when you look at you know some other things with that, um, they basically doubled uh, the Texas you know ratings or um, as far as viewership goes just phenomenal and and granted those those percentages only factoring in three races I, I would be shocked if it stays up that high for the rest of the season but what a what a weekend for indycar and i i messaged this out to uh to marshall pruitt and, and never heard a response but i thought it was a legitimate question is these numbers, because, you know, Caleb, as you pointed out, you know, figures, the numbers get high and then they're going to take away NBCSN for heading into next year, is does this help the case for IndyCar to get more of its non-NBC races next year on USA? Because we've heard that you, that they will limitedly, it's, it sounded as if USA wasn't too interested in having too many IndyCar races on. Yes, correct? That, that from SBJ last week. So if that's the case, and let's say we, we have eight or nine you know, network races again next year, that still leaves seven or eight on the schedule that need to be placed elsewhere. With ratings like that, 800,000, will it convince USA and, and the, you know, the, the movers and shakers of NBC to put more IndyCar races on USA then, as opposed to potentially Peacock only next year. Well, and, and a couple of tweets I want to get to on, on the ratings because uh, Poet Shevchenko mentioned uh, via Twitter, IndyCar got almost as many viewers on NBCSN at Road America as Detroit Race 1 got on Network NBC. That was the Saturday race that had the infamous lacrosse preemption the, for lacrosse lap one. incident. But then Merrick Speed uh, on Twitter, Andy Merrick, uh, you compare ratings between you know the past couple of years at Road America, um, eight hundred thousand uh, this year for TV taking out the streaming. Twenty twenty race one on NBCSN got two hundred ninety nine thousand. Twenty twenty race two on NBC one point oh five million. Twenty nineteen on NBC one point one million. So I mean, essentially they got close to a network rating on a cable race and then compared to the other NBCSN races this year, Texas one got 363,000 on NBCSN and then Texas two, 411,000, which is again, somewhere between 350 and 450 is what you would expect on NBCSN. But your point on negotiations, I mean, all this is only going to help as we expect to see the IndyCar TV deal done, you know, late June, early July. Yeah, I mean, we're in late June. It's it's June 24th today. So I would feel within the next couple of weeks, I could see Nashville weekend being uh, that announcement type thing. So um, it, it'd be very, very interesting to see just how IndyCar approaches this and NBC. Because if you're saying, okay, putting races on USA, we'll get 350,000 people. That, 
or you can say they get 750,000 people average. That's a big difference, and that could push um, you know, NBC to put more races on, on USA. So I, I think it helps IndyCar for sure at the negotiating table saying, hey, look at these ratings. Uh, let's see if we can get on on USA a couple more times. And I think they're they're more willing to play with that because of the big numbers they're getting so far this year. Yeah, so far. And again, another race that started early. Mid-Ohio will start early on another holiday because this is on Father's Day. Mid-Ohio will be on July 4th, but Green Flag, I think, is at like 12.05 Eastern. They're getting good numbers, starting races earlier, not delaying them. I think that whole you know, start time later for TV. I think that myth is being debunked as we speak, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, everybody talks about the lead-in, right? What lead-in did you have to Road America? NASCAR Cup qualifying. Yeah. So, um, and you know, I don't, I don't think a lot of people are turning into Cup qualifying. Not that many, for sure. But it was a, it was a good weekend all around for for motorsport on TV. You had IndyCar. I mean, Cup was happy with their Nashville number. Oh, SRX. Cup was at uh, Nashville. <laughs> yeah, big shock. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, SRX, I think you know they're satisfied with that 1.1, 1.2 million uh, viewers. Um, and and then Formula One, what setting the a record for the most viewers since like two or three years ago? I think 2018 when they were on ABC. Correct. So they're getting a higher number or equivalent number in 2021 on ESPN that they were three years ago on network, and that's phenomenal. And it just shows that that Formula One is rising in popularity in the United States on television. So. I'm not saying we're going to get back to the heyday of of auto racing, but could we start beginning to see an uptick of interest back in auto racing in North America? I mean, TV ratings are going up this year compared to last year. I think that's obvious. But with how motorsports has performed, I mean, I think you have to have optimism as a whole across, you know, F1, NASCAR, IndyCar on on what's transpired lately. Because, I mean, all these numbers are, uh, I would say, shockingly high. Yeah, and we'll see as they continue if they can stay as high. So I, I don't think they stay where they're at, but any growth is good growth. But, you know, what is it, 38 39% that it's up from 2019? I feel like I'd throw out last year. Yeah. But even up close to 40% from, from two years ago is a massive number. And even if you can come in at, say, double digits at the end of the year if it's 10 percent or more higher than 2019 that's huge let alone 40 percent like it is right now and then one final note on road america from dave first of indycar communications 231 on track passes 194 for position most since indycar returned to road america and also he said one of the best crowds in road america history i think a lot of people are saying it was the best crowd since 2016 when indycar returned there i don't think that's a surprise no, but at the same time, it's it's very difficult at Road America to gauge the crowd. Like you need people to point that out because I not once did I when I was watching the race Sunday did I go, wow, that crowd is humongous. Well, it's just not out in the open, right? Like, like say a barber, for example, and even barber, a lot of people are hiding up in the trees. Yeah, for sure. So such a massive track at Road America, so many places for people to sit and congregate and and hide. And um, it, it's not obvious on television, but it's it's great news nonetheless that it was a packed house. A couple other things to get to. Um, first off, we got the news this week, earlier this week, that IndyCar will not have a replacement race uh, for Toronto, which was canceled due to the pandemic. Um, at first, I would have s- s- said I'm surprised by this, but 
when you look at the economics of it and Pinsky, you know, laid out the options a few weeks ago that the options were reportedly adding a race at Gateway, Mid-Ohio, or not having a race, and the fact that not having one was one of the options, I think we should have seen that coming. Well, when Roger Penske points out that they don't really make any money on a secondary race, on a doubleheader, um, dual Detroit has been a thing for a long time. I don't see that going away, and I think they have a, a financial plan in there that they can make money on both races. But adding a race just to add a race isn't in Roger Penske's plans, and especially probably with the financial hit he took last year. Just running those double headers to try to get enough, you know, races in for this for this season, and I think I pointed this out to you, Caleb, too. Anybody who loves to, you know, cons- be the conspiracy theorist and say that Roger Penske does this, that, or the other to benefit Team Penske, obviously they have no wins this year, but. With their drivers, you know, fourth and fifth in the championship, it would make sense that the more more races, the better for their chances for the championship. Here's Roger Penske putting the kibosh on an extra race uh, for financial reasons, but it also hurts his team as they, you know, potentially make a run for a championship. A couple other quick things. Uh, Dalt, uh, not Dalton Kellett, Ryan Norman, flying Ryan, uh, Ryan Norman make his IndyCar debut at Mid-Ohio for the Honda 200. He'll be in the number 52 Koinu Inu Evo entry of Dale Coin Racing with Rick Ware Racing. Uh, he, he raced in lights for a couple of years, so congrats to him. That's his home track as well, at least for IndyCar. And then uh, this note, I'm just going to leave it here. Um, this is from Sherry Rudavsky of the Indianapolis Star. After the Indy 500, uh, identified about 19 people who tested positive for COVID and reported going to race. Uh, Kane says that's Virginia Kane of the Marion County Health Department. We have not seen a surge or significant increase in cases as a result of the Indy 500. Uh, Kane said, I think one of the critical factors was our percent capacity. And then Penske said in a separate article, I think I saw on the AP, that they really did sell just under 135,000 tickets. Then you throw in suites at 50% plus all the teams you're looking at about approximately 150,000 people at the Indy 500. They looked a lot more, that's for sure. But yeah, that probably just shows you how tight they're crammed in there on a normal race year. All right, so that wraps up Road America. I think the other kind of key stories of the week. Anything, uh, anything else you want to add on Road America? I don't think so. I think it was a very, very good race. Once again, had some late race drama and, um, you know, really some added intrigue to the championship as we see if Alex Pillow can hang on. So uh, get a bit of a break here before we get to mid-Ohio and then a sizable break, you know, for the Olympics. And then, uh, you know, we'll hit the ground running for the final six races of the season where anything can happen and maybe Team Penske will win a race. (laughs) Yeah, I I don't think that's a stretch. Well, if you like... What you've heard, uh, you can find us at NewTrackRecordPodcast.com. While you're there, sign up for our weekly email so you never miss an episode. Also, uh, do us a favor. Follow us for free on your favorite podcasting platform. Uh, Just search for New Track Record Podcast, and you can find us uh, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. Uh, You can send us an email, NewTrackRecordPodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook. Like us on there. Search for New Track Record. And our Twitter handle is IndyCar Podcast. And with that, it is time for the mailbag as we get to your tweets uh, within the last week. And plenty to get to. We'll start with an email question. 
This is another courtesy. email question. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah, this is courtesy of Ron from North Carolina. <laughs> okay. Uh, hey guys, this was a ten out of ten race. There's a lot of action and a pass for the lead with two to go. Really, what more could you ask for? In my opinion, Askew was impressive with the situation he had to deal with. He has to end up with a ride next year, right? What are your thoughts about Magnuson? Even though his lead was due to pit strategy, he did lead. Also, I'm just going to bring up Max Chilton here because I'm sure he won't get a mention otherwise. He led a race. Make note. Well, we I made note of it. Him. You yeah. were. Yeah. Yes. Uh, as far as Askew, yeah, he did a great job. Um, 12th. Will he end up with a ride next year? Full-time, it, I don't know. It's tough because he doesn't bring much money. Yeah. And, you know, you, you there are teams out there that, yes, hire on talent, but has he shown enough to warrant one of those seats? I'm not really sure. But I thought there was a lot of guys that, uh, you know, you mentioned Askew was big. We mentioned Max Chilton. But other two guys that were, you know, in their, you know, first appearances, Magnuson and then Cody Ware. We, we mentioned him earlier, but... You know, me in particular, we'd been joking about Cody Ware and just how big of a disaster he potentially could be. And that's when we were talking about the Oval and Indy. That's completely different. But he was not once mentioned in a negative light on Sunday. Kind of just stayed out of the way. Uh, Not embarrassingly so. But just learned, got laps in, finished 19th. I mean, he finished ahead of some regulars that were running on the lead lap, like Connor Daly and Joseph Newgarden. Yeah, <laughs> true. That matter. Yeah, I mean, if you would have made that bet, oh, yeah, he's going to uh, beat out Justin Newgarden. We're like, well, yeah. Yeah, I, I so, don't think so. You know, Cody Ware never been in an, in an open wheel you know, car. I mean, at least in a race there. Magnuson, some, same. And, um, you know, Oliver Askew, who's kind of just been thrust into position, too. I felt they all three represented themselves well. Yeah, and I thought with Magnuson, yeah, he did lead laps off strategy, like Ron mentioned, but... He didn't fade right at the start. No. I mean, he stayed up there. He had pace once he was towards the front. And, I mean, he had to retire due to a mechanical issue. So, again. Yeah, the car just shut off or yeah, the engine not, went. Not really his, yeah. his fault. I thought he did a solid job. I mean, we knew it would be a learning weekend. Unfortunately, it's it's more so I don't see him getting another race this year unless there's some extreme situation. And even next year, I mean, He's going to be with Peugeot for WEC next year, and then he's with Ganassi for IMSA currently. I mean, I'd love to see him get more races this year next year. I just I don't know how realistic that is. I mean, situations arise. We've seen it this year with who would have predicted Renus VK would fall off his bike and hurt himself. And True. who would have expected Felix Rosenquist's car to have a mind of its own and accelerate and crash into a wall? I mean, I think things are going to come up where there are going to be spots available here or there, a race here, a race there. And I think Kevin Magnuson is going to be one of the first drivers that teams call, both for the rest of this year and next year. Because committed to WEC, yes, but it's not a cup schedule. It's not an IndyCar schedule. There's not a lot of race weekends. So I think he's going to be available for a fair amount of opportunities next year if those opportunities arise. I think I, I'm going to already say that maybe we haven't seen the last of Kevin Magnuson for 2021 even, Caleb. Okay. Uh, this from Jennifer, the AP. Uh, Magnuson, who said, you know, he's made no secret he has an interest in IndyCar. Massive interest is the quote. Um, but told Jenna that Road America is a bonus for this year, says he'd like to do the Indy 500 but not actively working on that. Said IndyCar and especially the Indy 500 is a dream. We'll see what happens in the future. And then 
Chip Ganassi liked a Magnuson tweet, so if that's anything to keep in mind. <laughs> um, and it was just kind of cool to see Grosjean and Magnuson out there. I mean, teammates yeah. for, a, for a long time at Haas, and um, you know, being teammates in F1 doesn't necessarily mean you're friends, for sure. And they went through a lot of trials and chip relations with that team and with each other and, and all that. And it, it was just kind of cool to see both of them in a race and enjoying themselves. I mean, we've talked about Grosjean before about just having a permanent smile on his face, but catching up with Kevin Magnussen before the race and the pre-race was cool. And he was just a guy that was legitimately excited to be in the seat and to see both of those guys land on their feet after, you know, being, you know, thrown aside by Haas and a lot of people thinking that, you know, a lot of the reasons why Haas was struggling was because of them. And now we're seeing this year that that must necessarily <laughs> be the case. Is uh, It's pretty cool to see them both land on their feet. Uh, I feel like they're, they're both going to be IndyCar regulars uh, within a couple years and run the full season. And, and quite frankly, I'm, I'm excited to have them. They're, those are two really immense talents. And I feel like um, Garjan has shown it, that he belongs in IndyCar. And I think Magnussen will do the same if presented a bigger opportunity. What's that stat I sent you the other day about uh, Haas and oh yeah Haas and Rich Energy, energy and, and Let after me Rich find Energy that. that was that was pretty fun um, yeah let's uh, let's let's find that here I think it was was it a tweet that you yeah. sent me yeah it was a tweet okay so let's find that here because um, I think it's like they they haven't is, is it they haven't even scored points since uh, then? if they had it was very very few. few so you sent it to me over the weekend or on Monday potentially let's see all the spam you send me I'm ignoring <laughs> that uh, we're talking about this that and the other uh, where is it beyond the flag here it is here it is here it is you sent me the link to the tweet and it says. Haas with Rich Energy, 26 points in 14 races. Haas after Rich Energy, 5 points in 31 races. Facts are facts. That's from at Beyond the Flag. (laughs) So, hey, hate on Rich Energy all you want, but with Rich Energy, Haas got results. Now they're just embarrassing. Yeah, I mean, not that they were getting paid for the results, but they got results. (laughs) <laughs> but uh yeah pretty interesting coincidence yeah sure but hey you can spin the stats however you want well yeah that's how stats work right yeah I right mean, you just they manipulate fit a narrative. The, the numbers to fit whatever narrative that you're trying precisely to and our narrative here is rich energy is the key to success in formula one or any form of motorsport and we like rich energy it was tasty yeah i thought it was was uh, pretty good. Not, I don't know. I'm and you're not, not you're not a energy drink connoisseur or no. massive consumer, but it was tolerable for you. So yeah, I thought it was yeah. solid. I'm not the like you said. I'm not the person to ask. But <laughs> anyway, uh, continuing on with the mailbag. Uh, some of these are from kind of last week. Uh, Arcole, it was hot at Detroit. Uh, Justin Kenny has never spoken more truer words, which is probably the main reason I was against the red flag. Fair, understandable. Yes. Uh, this it. this from Chucky WX. Hey guys, the car has to be a full time entry to receive leader circle money. I think what we were saying last week, and I, and I told him via Twitter. So if the forty five and 06 finish in the top twenty two, they would be eligible for leader circle for twenty twenty two, right? Correct, because it's the car, yeah, not the driver. So if they can run a few more races, obviously the 06 is set to run what five more races. 
at the end of the season. Nashville, IMS, Portland, Long Beach. What am I missing? Uh, Laguna, Laguna Seca. Seca. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, that car will have a legitimate opportunity if Elio can put together a few more top tens, maybe even a top five. I mean, a legitimate opportunity, I think, to, to get in the leader circle. Uh, Here's a question, too. The 45, it'll be tougher because yeah. they're not set to do any more races. But it's a question, too, with Carlin. They had to withdraw from the Indy GP. Does that disqualify them from leader circle? Mm, I think I, mean, I saw that it shouldn't. It does not. Does not. I mean, technically, the rule is you be entered in every race. I mean, technically, yeah. they were entered and then had to withdraw. Yeah, so I, I don't know the semantics and then all that. They're but. pretty. They're pretty lenient on something like that, for example. Right. I don't think that's something that's going to you know do them in, as far as not being able to, uh, you know, get the the LC money. Yeah. So. I mean, they're they're hard and fast rules, but they're also exceptions, and um, you know, a significant amount of them. Zach Hurley eight seven seven one. This is in reply to Oliver Askew saying, "It's just like riding a bike." Hilarious. That was hilarious. So funny because it was not intended. Yeah, it was legitimate, (laughs) unintentional, and you watch his face catching himself and apologizing. Like that was that was a thing of beauty right there. That was the funniest thing out of the weekend that I saw. Uh, Zach Curley eight seven seven one saying, first time I've LOL'd at a practice session broadcast." Yeah, that was incredible. Um, Let's see what else we have on the tweets. So many uh, to get to. Indy Nathan says, I mean, if anyone says something negative, I think racing isn't for them as far as uh, Road America. Yeah, rate the race. So <laughs> a lot of people are giving out 10s. And I don't know. What say you? I'm very stingy on my 10s. As am I. Uh, I'm giving it a 9 because, look, you really have to check all the boxes and just blow it out of the water and me being i have to go back and watch that again type thing to get a 10 so yeah to each his own i'm not you know criticizing anybody they gave it a 10 but i'm going a nine same i'm going a nine um what i what did i give the indy 500 like a nine or 9.5 probably 9.5 yeah i think you were as close to so 10 as you again can i don't give out tens we don't give tens willy-nilly here yeah i mean we may disagree on you know who's legendary and who is not <laughs> tens I or think. the definition of legendary yes so rate the race a lot of responses of course which again i posted this tweet i hadn't even watched the race yet full disclosure <laughs> <laughs> that's what's so so uh crazy because you said you hadn't watched it yet then the rate the rate tweets up and i was all sorts of confused so poet shevchenko gave it a 10 uh if you took any five contiguous minutes of green flag racing you'll see 10 exciting things happen on the screen yeah, it's packed full of action. Uh, NK Harden, 10. Perfectly spaced cautions, kept it tight all day, but also didn't have a caution screw up the leader's strategy. Constant passing throughout the field. Late pass for the lead. Nothing else you could want from a road course. Uh, Hunter's Way, 67. I give it a 9. I want to see Joseph and Pelot battle out there at the end. It's the only reason it doesn't get a 10 from me. It's fair. Uh, Jeremy from HBG, solid 9. I feel like there was action up and down the grid the whole race. Chucky WX said, yeah, solid nine. No drama unlike last weekend. Good racing. Got it for Joe. Scuba Steve 85. Give it a nine. Really great action. 
Also, your points on this week's episodes, talking last week, uh, about Jimmy Johnson were all great and fair. But after today, can we have Carvana sponsor a Jimmy Johnson spin of the day segment? <laughs> Maybe have a fan bet on how many laps before Johnson spins. <laughs> uh, we continue to go back and forth, Caleb, with this. And and I continue to express my frustration. And you yeah. continue to express your patience. And I'm not saying one of us is right or one of us is wrong. But um, it, it does grow weary because we we entered the road America and you were saying, you know, OK, he tested there. It's a flowing track. He should be able to show something more practice time and more, yeah, more practice time. And, and he improved in practice. Well, I would hope he improved. Yeah. I mean, but at the same time, you know, once again, he brings out another yellow. Can somebody please instruct him on how to refire or keep the engine running because you're you're. You're you're guaranteed at least one yellow per race with Jimmy Johnson out there because he's going to spin and he's going to stall the car. And so, you know, once again, I didn't see the the improvement that Caleb is seeing. I'm still seeing a guy that's a back marker that occasionally spins that gets the hell out of the way anytime the leaders are coming. Again, I, I saw Road America as the first chance for him to put together a decent result. And by decent, I mean, you know, Maybe he could sneak into the top 15 or 16. Um, what's his best finish this year? Is it like 19th? 19th? Yeah. To start the season. Yeah. So, again, he'll have another opportunity, the IMS road course race. He's tested there. He's already raced there. Again, another weekend where I could see improvement. But overall, he's he's been a back marker, I guess. I mean, it's not like he's he's not that far off the pace. Yeah, anymore. but you know, it's but, just more that he's spinning and uh, he's not getting in the way of the leaders. He's done a good job there. But that's the thing. It's like you really have to be bad to be, you know, completely out of it in time because the field is so close together. So if you're a second and a half off, it doesn't look like that's a lot, but that's a lot in IndyCar, right? Yeah. So, and look, you know, I feel like this needs to be pointed out too because we have the discussion on the ratings and how many people jumped into IndyCar. Because of Jimmy Johnson and have stuck around continuing to watch the series. I'm not saying Jimmy Johnson's responsible for the 39% increase and 800,000 people watching, but I can guarantee you it doesn't hurt either. No. And maybe how many new fans did you gain that, yeah, may not be turn, tuning into Jimmy Johnson anymore or as much because he's not that effective on track, at least as of yet. But I mean, Jimmy Johnson. Ramon Grosjean, and then this weekend, Kevin Magnuson. I mean, they're bringing in people who wouldn't normally watch. Right. And, and you know, or go. If a fair amount of these people are sticking around, then mission accomplished. So I'm not going to say that Jimmy Johnson shouldn't be out there because, uh, you know, he potentially could be a, a reason why ratings are up. Not the reason, not the sole reason, but one of the reasons. Yeah. I mean, it's not like they're adding Nigel Mansell equivalent. So it'd be what, Lewis Hamilton? Yeah, you know, running full time. There's not like some sort of direct impact like that, but I mean, it, it's not hurting. Uh, back to rate the race, but I would say though, uh-huh. jumping in real quick, Caleb, I, I'm sure he's not. You know, I, everybody's everybody likes Jimmy Johnson in the paddock. I'm not saying that, but at the same time, I can hear the groans or the sighs when a yellow comes out when Jimmy Johnson is spun again, depending on where you're at on track and in in the. Uh, on on the speed charts or the placing charts because you know you know he's he's burned some people for sure and if that happens late in a race as you're gonna have to to face the wrath of willpower yeah or or someone else i mean (laughs) it could that could 
really change things if he were to spin late in a race. I mean, it kind of happened one of the Detroit races, but there's so much other stuff going on. I don't think people really saw it like that. But but yeah, I, again, he's got a pass for me the entire first season. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, Caleb he, the apologist. Stay tuned for next week's he's, episode. He's not been an embarrassment. <laughs> That's the thing. Like he's made up so much time. Not only from when he was testing, but even like during race weekends. I mean, he's like making up like half a second to to a second and a half as far as his lap time. So, but I feel there's other ways to kind of draw the ire of people, and he may not be the slowest out there each and every weekend. But he's a guy that tends to lose it at least once yeah. every race, and then he stalls, and the yellow comes out, and it just it, I can see how it's growing old for people for sure in that realm. Joseph underscore Bear on rate the race. Eight. Good solid race. Road America needs two races, not Detroit. Uh, I, mean, I, I don't know. Detroit was fun. Yeah, I thought Detroit was was great. Uh, Daniel SEM 2004, solid nine. Thought it was going to be a J-New walk, but this is a crazy season. Love the chaos. Yeah, Road America was like a chaos race. Uh, of course, I guess so does Detroit. You know what's those. what's crazy is we've had a lot of chaos, but it's not like massive crashes and you know attrition and and all that stuff. I mean, we've had our incidents here or there, but the chaos is really you know mechanical and passing and all that stuff. It's 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 pure. It's no not really St. Pete twenty twenty chaos. Exactly, not like <laughs> you know, oh my gosh, a start and you have eight eight drivers out right away and somebody's on their list. Pace car running out of fuel <laughs> or crashing at Detroit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, Transocean Trojan, uh, nine. There's been excellent racing the last few weeks. This is why IndyCar is the best open wheel racing series. Legit wheel to wheel action all over the track. Yeah, I, again, I think everyone gave it basically a nine or 10. There may have been an eight in there. In fact, here are a couple more. Rob underscore McMahon, 8.75. Another crazy finish. Being a Ryan Hunter Ray fan, it's so hard to listen to his radio. I'm constantly telling him to save fuel and watch him lose five to six positions on track. Only to see the cars on al- alternative strategies again to finish higher than him. I digress. Overall, great race. Um, and then uh, some some comments on Team Penske, and you had a great gif of uh, Chris Farley looking in anticipation and kind of looking <laughs> in, oh, no, what just happened? It's the one where he's, like, really excited yeah. and then, yeah, gets denied. Then he's, Oh, no. It's, yeah, it's... Uh, Poet Shevchenko said, it was said that this was the first time a CGR car that wasn't Dixon has won multiple races in a season since Dario. Uh, was the last time a CGR driver had has had more wins in a season than Dixon? That's a great question. Hmm. I think we'd have to go I'm back. I'm going to have to work on that. Yeah, so you Give looked that time. up. Uh, Zach Curley 8771 with a Rossi gif and this is the a gif that says uh, <laughs> every single day of my life has been worse than the, the day before <laughs> sad <laughs> but um, you know probably the way he feels sometimes especially uh, lately let's see a few other tweets um, on, on your poll on as far as you know, which driver's points position? 65% said below, 20% Rossi, 13% VK, 2% said power. I'm surprised nobody, more didn't say power, being 11th. I think is more surprising than Rossi, my opinion. Eh, I'd still go with Rossi. I think VK yeah. being that high is a shock. I mean, we thought going into the season, like, yeah, this guy's fast, but we just assumed he'd crash and kind of be mid-pack, you know. 12th. I'd agree with that, yeah. And he's been a, a, a true star, and 
hopefully will be back from Mid-Ohio. Some of the replies there, NK Harden, got to be Pelot. Rossi and Power have struggled before. VK isn't a huge surprise to me either. Never thought Pelot would outperform Dixon this year, and every driver the 10 car not named Dario Franchitti 13 months ago, no one knew who he was. Yeah, that's that's true. Fair. Uh, Daniel SEM 2004. I think Pelot and VK are tied. You can see both had flashes of speed last year. Their consistency this year is the change. ECR having a car in the top hasn't been done since JNU. RVK will be the hot driver on the market. Uh, will Power and Alexander Rossi have shown before their positions. Yeah. I, I, I mean, both those guys, I think, have been some of the key surprises of the season. Any luck on that stat? Uh, what was the question again? Let's re... Last time, the the 10 car, and then obviously it was Dario, had more wins than Dixon in a season. Well, it was that magical 2011 season that we okay. keep going back to. Dario won the title. And four races. Okay. And Scott Dixon only won a measly two races. I'm trying to find, like, before that, what would the answer be? Um, I'm not even... I think it's pre-Scott Dixon. Oh, um, yeah, probably. His first year with... Chip Ganassi Racing was 2003, and he won three races. Tomas Schechter did not win one. Before that, it was Jeff Ward, 2002, won Texas. Remember <laughs> yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, 2011, the last time, and the only time since Scott Dixon has joined Chip Ganassi Racing that uh, a driver other than Scott Dixon has led the team in wins. Really? Even when Dario won the title in 2009? Uh, and 10? They both had five wins okay. in 2009. Wow. And in 2010, they each had three wins. They won 10 races combined they won in 10 2009? 10 races in 2009. Wow. 10 of... Like what, 16? 10 of 16. <laughs> wow. That's ridiculous. It is. I mean, that's, that's, that's I mean, crazy. Penske dominated last year, though. Didn't they? I mean, how many did they win last year, Penske? Well, Out they have, th- you know, that's eight three. Eight of 14, right? Yeah. But I'm looking at, here's another amazing stat. Uh, of the 32 total uh, results out of that year, 16 races and then 32 total, they've won 10. And they finished uh, worse than, let's see, my gosh, worse than seventh five times. Wow. I mean, Dario came back and I, I didn't he win his, was was it the first race back? I know he won in two thousand nine. He won. Uh, let's he won see, Long Beach. This. Yeah, Long Beach. That's what I was. That he, wasn't. That wasn't the first. race. No, St. Pete was the first one. Then okay. he won Long Beach, and then Scott Dixon won Kansas the next race. But uh, that didn't was, Dario win Toronto too that year? Uh, he did, and won Iowa and Sonoma and Homestead. <laughs> wow! But that's amazing to me. In that thirty-two com- total results, and only five times did either of them finish outside the top seven. Yeah, that's. That's incredible. I, you know, everyone talks about the 94 Penske season, you know, as like the gold standard, but could that one be up there with it? I, I mean, it's tough to find a more dominant one-two punch yeah. for sure than that 2009 group. Uh, more Rate the Race tweets. Found a couple more. Car uh, McFast, one, 10 out of 10. Uh, Nichardson Roa, uh, nine or 10. It was fantastic. Um, and then this on the the team as far as Penske versus Andretti on the poll. Um, and for some reason it's not pulling up the poll result here. Let me see if I don't. Well, it's not pulling it up on on TweetDeck for some reason. But 
Uh, the replies, Jeremy from HBG, Team Penske has mechanical issues, and Dreddy Autosport has everything issues. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Fair. Uh, Daniel, SEM 2004, has to be Andretti, even with Hurt as win. They haven't been competitive all season. Penske has shown quality and race pace. AA is languishing. Great, great word there. Transocean Trojan, without the bad luck, Penske very well could have won the last three races. Newgarden would be first, and the points are very close. Andretti hasn't been competitive at all outside of Herta. Yeah, and I think that's the point we made earlier, and I think that stands. Uh, we have one response on last week on the TV poll, you know, on, you know, uh, versus versus uh, NBC Sports Gold versus Peacock versus, what was the other one, CNBC? Yep. And Daniel SEM 2004 said Spike TV. <laughs> I Which forgot. Which was Champ Car back in the day. Yeah, it was. Um, Zach Curley 8771. I stuck going through the extensive library of old indie races on YouTube and what I wouldn't give for a finale at Fontana again or Michigan in my dreams. Although St. Pete was a good finale last year, and I expect Long Beach will be an equally suitable set piece. Uh, so I want to say there's just an extra tension and excitement to oval finales. Fontana 2015 and Chicago 2007 are prime examples. Uh, Fontana 2015 was not the finale. Was not. That was like in June. Uh, yeah, I think it was Sonoma was the final in 15, wasn't it? Yes, that sounds right. Yeah, Fontana was not the f- finale. Uh, Poet Shevchenko, uh, Dalton Kellett's nemesis. Don't take that as criticism, Ryan, that on uh, Ryan Norman <laughs> getting uh, the entry at Mid-Ohio. And then R. Cole saying, happy to see him get a chance to race any cars in his home state. Yeah, that's that's cool. And then Jamin T14, that Kellett Norman Johnson hinge fight is going to be epic. And then the gift says, why does it say certificate of participation? <laughs> That's really see, funny. that was funny. <laughs> That's really funny. Because it's rooted in reality. We'll see who wins that battle. And, you know, I want to make sure I didn't forget anyone on the tweets here. Uh, did did you find another answer as far as uh, on the, the target team? Well, target back in the day is there anything else anything new uh i don't think so i was just you know going through the um you know pre scott dixon was um it's kind of rough there for a little bit um, yeah nicholas manassen thomas Schechter. uh obviously they had weldon mimo from 2006 to 2008 when uh, was mimo gidley was that 2003 okay that was okay pre dixon okay yeah. so then you're talking uh, Bruno I forgot Manas, Manas, Manasian. Yeah, I don't know how to say it. Yeah, uh, Bruno Jinkera was, he won, didn't he win the Indy 500 pole with them or something in uh, 2002? Oh, one or oh two. Yeah, 2001 or two. Yeah, he finished fifth in 01. Maybe that was the year he finished all pole. But uh, yeah, I forgot that uh, Manasian, he did a full season in Champ Car, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, he was with Ganassi for yeah. a year and with that. Was that the 2005 team that was a mess with Dixon, Briscoe, and Manassian or Manassian? Uh, no, that was pa- Giorgio Pontano in oh, okay. 05. Okay. Uh, Manassian was 01, where he just ran Indy. Just, uh, that year. just a mess in 05 for that team. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because 01 was what their second year to do the 500, second year back. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, but 01 also, Manassian ran half the season in Champ Car, and then Gidley finished it up. But that was a a really tough lineup of Bruno Jinkera, Nicholas Manassian, and Mimo Gidley. Wow. That's horrible. (laughs) (laughs) They finished uh, 16th, 17th, and 27th, respectively, in the points. Yeah. 
That's pretty bad. Well, moving no, on past no that. No wonder he uh, wanted to come mess. to IndyCar, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, let's get to some fun stuff, some uh, fun rumors courtesy of IndyCar Deep Throat. And uh, pull up the uh, good old rumor machine. Okay, so we have a few things to get to. Uh, get to. Ooh, you yeah, that little twang yeah, in there. Yeah, a little, little southern twang. Uh, you should expect an announcement within the next week or two that Simon Pagina won't be returning to Penske for 2022. Wow. Yeah. Keep Where an eye out that for that announcement. Um, and then kind of chatting back and forth, uh, Spam, Aero McLaren SP, uh, they could announce their third full-time seat by July. Goal is three seats for 2022. Pretty adamant on making that happen. Now, will we just hear the announcement of the seat available, or will we hear the announcement of a driver? I would assume the, the team and driver. And then chatting also telling us that uh, – their source in regards to Rossi funding for Rossi's car doesn't seem to be there as Napa is rumored to be adding less races with Andretti for 2022. Well, the less you win, the less Napa is going to stick around. As we know, it was a one-time yeah. thing when they won the 500, jumped all in, and you know they wanted success. They had success there. Once you're not showing success, you're going to you know lose sponsorship. And then IndyCar Deep Throat saying. I could possibly see a Pato, Simon Pagano, and Rossi McLaren team next year. And I responded, hey, wait, we've had that idea before. Quit stealing our ideas. <laughs> so, you know, I again, it's not like Ganassi and Penske are options for Rossi. And Aaron McLaren SP is obviously the best seat available. I think with Rosenquist, one, I hope he's able to come back from mid-Ohio. But two, the second half of the season, he's going to have to put together some massive results to keep that seat. I think that's fair. He's still a guy that even after Detroit won, which sucked, he he hasn't been that good. Yeah, I mean the results weren't there before. And no, again, I I, I mean, hope he can put it together starting at Mid Ohio. No, track that he's been competitive at. Yeah, I mean no top tens. I mean when your teammate is second in points with multiple wins, that's unacceptable. Had the same issue last year too. Granted, Oliver Askew was was a rookie as his first full season. Pato was not a rookie, but it was his first full-time season, but he had, what, like seven or eight IndyCar races and experience, so not exactly a fair comparison. Um, and then I feel like there was another thing. What else we got from Deep Throat? Um, Santino uh, will most likely race another two or three races this year. Seems to be potential with him taking the third seat for next year if the funding can keep coming through on his side. So hey I, man. Would, I would assume high V if they put in more cash, uh, then which it seems like that Santino would be full time. That's an IndyCar deep throat. I uh, mean, I think that telling. relationship between RL and, and high V is growing. Now, does that include Santino Ferrucci? We'll see, but Hey, three races, three top tens. Uh, he's done his part for sure. So that's the latest from IndyCar deep throat. And we continue on to news and notes. Uh, Acura Grand Prix of Long Beach gets the green flag for September, full capacity. I don't think this is a surprise, but it's been confirmed. Also, Portland GP tickets, uh, three-day tickets on sale now, portlandgp.com slash tickets. So you can get your tickets there if you're out on the West Coast or traveling out there. Um, this was interesting. This from Nashville SS Prez, so Nashville Super Speedway, and uh, Jenna Fryer... Was was tweeted something and and someone said you know what about Nashville, you know two races there. And 
Jenna said, could be too much content for the market, even space it by four or five months, but uh, Nashville SS Prez might be down. This is as far as agreements, you know, between Nashville street promoters and then if IndyCar could return to Nashville Super Speedway. And he responded with, I'm game. So I don't, you know, who knows? But does that mean just the second cup race or what? No, no, no. That, that, that's in regards to IndyCar. Gotcha. So, I mean, you'd have to space them out. You know, one in the spring, the other in late summer, or, yeah, I mean, I guess that's the only way to do it. You have, like, what, what one in March, I guess? I mean, the fact that they're, that the, su- the Super Speedway is out of town, right? Yeah, it's way out of time. I mean, I think that can play to your advantage because I feel like the the crowd for straight up downtown would be yes. different than suburban or you know away from yeah you know, as an oval. But I, I feel like would IndyCar draw for that oval? Uh, I don't know. That's up to the the track president, right, and the promoter to come up with that stuff. So if he feels like he'd give it a try, I I would entertain it for sure. Any oval is better than no oval. I just think the issue with that track, it is so far away from downtown Nashville. But they drew the crowd for Cup. Yeah, could but that's that be cup. a you know? But could it be a doubleheader weekend? Would you do entertain Ooh. that? Uh, that's a more enticing possibility. Um, but why would NASCAR do? That's that? That's what I was say. Why would NASCAR share an In, event? IndyCar that- would be wise to do. Hey, we'll do a Saturday night race, and NASCAR can run on Sunday. But again, you can't have the race this time in June and then have any car come back to Nashville in what a month and a half I mean that's just not enough separation I feel like right now any car just focuses on Nashville Grand Prix and yes. make it a huge event as it sounds like it's going to be yes um, other notes Michael Andretti says a decision coming soon on if uh, Andretti Autosport will be taking part in the LMDH sports car category at courtesy of Racer speaking of sports cars this courtesy of Merrick Speed 7 2021 IndyCar drivers, two Indy Lights drivers running at IMSA this weekend at the Glen. And looking at the graphic, the seven that are included to compete. And this would be uh, Kevin Magnuson, Sebastian Bourdais, uh, Jimmy Johnson, Simon Paginode, Alexander Rossi, Oliver Askew, Marco Andretti, Zach. Well, I guess Zach Beach doesn't count. Uh, <laughs> Kyle Kirkwood and Robert McGinnis. There you go. Um, you know, we've been talking a little bit more t- on this episode about silly season and, and it's starting to ramp up. Obviously, in the second half of the year, it really starts. I feel this break that we're coming, you know, that the IndyCar summer break, just like Formula One has one, I think that's when you're really going to start seeing either info come out, rumors come out, seats opening up seats declared new for next year that are open i think in the next four weeks between july 4th and the, and the nashville grand prix that we're going to get a lot more substantial concrete information but also a lot and lot a lot of speculation i mean usually mid ohio is kind of the start of silly season now granted it's basically what three to four weeks earlier than it would normally be on the calendar yeah they moved it to this week uh, this coming weekend uh, coming weekend, next weekend. Yeah, but it's... Um, but I think, yeah, I think through the course of that weekend and directly after, that's when stuff will really pick up, like you said. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, and have we made this this um, this this observation, though, in looking at the calendar, with uh, only one race not having a primary sponsor this year? Title no, sponsor? and that's Portland, correct? Yes. 
um, which is a little worrisome for Portland, but at the same time, pretty impressive. Well, and that race is back this year. So the races that were away that come back, I think that will be interesting. I mean, Barber was still restricted on fan attendance uh, back when they ran to start the season. So, I mean, that gets a pass. Plus, that's a strong event. It's been around for, what, over a decade. Well, I mean, but it was I mean, sponsored by Honda, so. Yeah, that too. But I think Portland, you know, Long Beach, not that I'm worried about Long Beach, but I mean, events that we didn't have last year that we have this year. So we have, what, Portland, Long Beach, what else am I forgetting here? Coming up? Uh, just throughout the season. Laguna I mean, Seca. We, yeah, Laguna Seca, that's another one. Yeah. Because um, we had Mid-Ohio, Road America. We didn't have De- Detroit last year. It right. came back, but again, they were limited on attendance, so it's kind of hard to know. Yeah. So, but I mean, you know, there's, you know, we, we've talked, Caleb, in the off season sometimes about, you know, half the races going into the season that didn't have primary, you know, presenting sponsors or title sponsors, uh, you know, all but one for this season. It's pretty good. And and great TV rating. I mean, there's just a lot of positive momentum happening right now. Let's hope that Yes, continues. we're just waiting for the other shoe to drop <laughs> and something bad happen. Well, that's that's an off-season problem. You get all this positivity <laughs> and then boom. But even last last off-season we were waiting for that, you True. Know, that anvil to drop. Didn't didn't really happen. Uh this courtesy of Merrick Speed as well. A lot of a lot of good to- content from that account on Twitter, by the way. Uh Jimmy Johnson's oval plans, this courtesy of uh Kevin Lee on the broadcast over the weekend. Plan is to do an oval test, possibly Texas. If all goes well, that would have him approved to do a test at IMS in the fall. Not guaranteed he'll run the Indy 500, but is turning in that direction if all things go well. I feel he needs to do a Texas, a test at Texas. I mean, there's nothing else that's going to simulate. A, Texas is still on the schedule as of right now Yep, for 2022. And it's probably the only, you know, test center that you can even seemingly get a feel of what Indianapolis would be like in terms of the speeds. You can go to Homestead, but, you know, there's a big difference between Homestead and IMS. And IMS, I mean, it's Texas, I think, probably feels faster to the drivers than probably, IMS. Probably, yeah. I mean, just based on the layout of the track, more you know, banking. Yeah, but in terms of reaction track. time and, mm-hmm. and how that speed's going to feel, um, you want to go to Texas, I feel, to prepare for, for Indy. All right, got a couple of positive things before we get to our random split era driver of the week. Yes, and sir. Tweets of the week. Locked First off, loaded. congrats to Nathan Brown. Uh, he tweeted out that he and his wife are expecting on Christmas. Oh, so congrats to them. Plan around that. Um, they said they, the Brown Bureau has hired a new intern. <laughs> Start date Christmas Day, <laughs> and and probably don't have to pay him or her. Yeah, true. Pay for them, but don't have yeah. to pay them. Uh, then Sam Schmidt, uh, walking for the first time in 21 years as he danced with his daughter at a wedding. Uh, in- incredible story there. I I did you I read the story, but then watched the uh, video on uh, I think it was uh, ABC NBC today. Maybe they did it. Okay, uh, it was awesome. I mean, because you can actually see him walking, and you know the the, the story was like, this is just like phase one of what Arrow's working on because he cannot manually manipulate it. It's somebody behind him that's doing it. Okay, but at some the next step is him to manipulate it. So similar to when he was able to manipulate the car that he was driving, mm-hmm. uh, that's the goal for this this suit thing. But it was pretty awesome. That's really cool, and it's amazing that technology i mean just you know the 
the five years out, I mean, they're more than five years out from that program. But, I mean, what they accomplished that with the him driving the car and then now with this. Um, it's amazing. It, it really is. You know what else is amazing? Scott McLaughlin's uh, Wisconsin just, like, tweets and, and other things. And this came <laughs> after Wisconsin. But the Scott Learns America has been very interesting for me to follow throughout the season. And he tried a cheese curd for the first time, went to a, a cheese factory over the weekend. Then they also went to the Johnsonville factory, I believe, and that video's not yet been released. But also, he tweeted earlier today as we record this Thursday, um, this thing was unreal OMG with a check mark, and it's a picture of Smucker's Uncrustables. <laughs> <laughs> he did. And I saw Tony Kanan retweet it and said, yes. same, he eats two after every bike ride. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I saw it too. It was funny. Um, and then I think I saw Jimmy Johnson tweet that, hey, you need to put it in the freezer. And apparently it's really yeah, good that way. I've heard such things, but uh, no, I think I it's, don't know. It's, uh, it's, it's pretty good as is. And then Renus VK tweeting back on the bike with some safety adjustments. He's on a stationary bike, so that's good uh, and funny. Um, but, yeah, good stuff there. All right, so we're ready for your random split era driver of the week. Are you ready for your I random am. split era driver of the week? I am. You ready? Yeah. Well, we're going to go back to um, the early, late 90s. Okay. And Dan Drynan. I feel like I've heard that name only because you brought him up one time. I think, yeah, I think I was probably name <laughs> dropping him. But, uh, of course, um, Dan Drynan, who goes back and, and tried to qualify four times for IndyCar races between 1996 and 2000. How many of those four did he end up qualifying for? I'm going to go with one. You're going to be wrong. It was zero. (laughs) He was 0 for 4 in 1996, tried to qualify for Phoenix, did not qualify, and then qualified, tried to run three times at Indy, did not qualify uh, with loophole racing in 96. Of course, you have a a loophole racing hat on right now. (laughs) Yeah. And and by that, I mean he does not have a loophole (laughs) racing hat on. So is this all IRL, too? Uh, This was IRL. So this is bad, right? Because IRL, you thought, okay, everybody, you know, everybody's going to make it. No. He couldn't qualify for just a a random... IRL race. At Couldn't Phoenix. do it in Phoenix in 1996. Was the Dura Lube 200 was the second round of the 96 Indy Racing League. Uh, as I click on this and look, um, let's see if he was the uh, one of the only ones to not qualify. Yes, he was. Uh, so wasn't good. How many? How many people started that race? It looks like 21 started that race. So, I mean, is there more context? Like, did he not meet the, what is it? They used to have the minimum, was it the 107% or 105% rule. I think it was 107, right? Yeah. Um, I'm trying to find the reason why he didn't qualify. Um, Dan Drynan, huh? Uh, he says, uh, hold on, I got it here. Let's see, Drynan. Uh, he suffered mechanical issues during qualifying. Uh, uh, or practice for the second day in a row. This time with the new engine, he was not able to qualify for the race. So he had engine issues. That'll do uh, it. Of the six drivers that withdrew from that 22-car field, Lynn St. James didn't qualify. She had, I think she wrecked, I believe. Uh, but she did start at the back of the field. Eddie Cheever didn't make it with Team Menard. Stan Waddles, Buddy Lazier, our, our guy this week, Dan Drynan, Rayson Gardner. Yes. 
I gotta save that one for a random <laughs> one. And then Billy Rowe. So Wait, so the six people didn't qualify? Six withdrew. Oh, so I feel okay. like they had such crap equipment that they withdrew. Um, wow. So that, of course, was with, uh, what, you had Ford, Cosworth there, you had Menard, and you had Buick? Probably, yeah. Um, so anyway, um, going back to uh, poor Dan Drynan. Uh, didn't make it in 96 with loophole racing. Tried again in 98, DB Man Motorsports with an Oldsmobile engine. Didn't qualify. And 2000 with Hemelgarn. Did not qualify. So as we detail it here, live from Wikipedia, born July 4th, Dan Drynan, hmm. uh, is from Indianapolis and failed on three separate qualifying attempts for the 500. First attempt came in 96. Uh, Drynan crashed his 1991 Lola chassis. He was running a five-year-old oh, chassis. That's that's rough. Uh, during practice, although it was unlikely that his outdated chassis and Buick engine could have produced the speed necessary, uh, he bruised his lung and fractured his foot in the crash in 96. Came back in 98. Uh, again, failed to find the necessarily necessary speed. Uh, his final attempt was in 2000. Once again, he was given an outdated Delara and a small crew by Hemelgarn Racing. The car never never handled properly, and Drynan again crashed during practice, pre- preventing him from qualifying. He was a top-level competitor in USAC and midget racing, and I went next level for this to driverdb.com driver database he entered 94 races in his career and won eight with 13 podiums a lot of those coming in usac of course so dan drynan now 61 years old still around and his hometown in indianapolis that is your random split era driver of the week here on new track record all right good stuff there and you know, I, I was about to ask you, you know, what was his background, you know, prior to the IRL? And I was not surprised when you said USAC. Yes. Um, you know, people clamoring um, for that uh, USAC connection. Dan Drynan had it, but couldn't make it work in the IRL. Again, all they had to do, put the engines back in the front, return to the, the USAC championship trail that included dirt tracks, and then have USAC drivers compete in the Indy 500. I mean, that's all they had to do. Yeah, it's so easy. <laughs> Not really. No. All right, Tweets of the Week, really, really short uh, this week. Just one from Tony DeZeno. Road America track, greater than French GP track. Uh, Yes, <laughs> I would agree. It was I, at least a decent race. It was a decent race, but you and I both commented on all those stripes. They were just, they they messed with your brain. Yeah, it just wasn't natural to look at. And I remember before the weekend, everyone on Twitter making jokes about, you know, when will May spin, you know, one spin, but also then go on the wrong part of the track and get lost. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, and they even talked about it on the broadcast, and Crofty was talking about it, is, you know, you don't see it on track, but, man, above it, it's just dizzying. I mean, it was was tough to watch sometimes. Yeah. I will say it was a great ending with Verstappen over, uh, uh, getting overtaking um, Lewis for the win, for sure. But it was just a, it was a weird. I know they have a lot of runoff there, but I got to feel like they they can come up with better um, better covering for all that that runoff than those strikes. It was horrible. Meanwhile, IndyCar at Road America, you had plenty of action, a great track, a great crowd. Uh, I guess both races had great TV ratings, but again, it 
just the difference in tracks that IndyCar goes through when it comes to natural road courses compared to F1, which should have the premier tracks in the world. I feel like IndyCar is caught up in that regard quite a bit. I, I believe so, and I, I, I think it's, it's advantageous, and great racing doesn't hurt. I, I don't think we've talked enough about this year about um, you know the changes that they have made, that the way these cars drive, and just how competitive this season has been. That goes a lot of credit to the drivers and teams, of course, but I think it's a lot of credit to the, the series, Firestone, Honda, Chevy, Everybody involved, Delara. Uh, I think it's just been uh, they, they're in the sweet spot right now in terms of competitiveness, particularly on those road and street courses. Yeah, and it's been a way more entertaining season than last season. I feel like the races have just been a lot better last season. It seems like we had a lot of duds, but also last year we were just happy to have a season. Yeah, we were. Uh, you know, quick question before we head out. We, mm-hmm. You know, Team Penske winless. Do we feel going forward this is a blip on the radar 2021 for Team Penske? Not that they're going to be winless every year, but they're not going to dominate in terms of most race wins as a team. Do we feel like uh, they bounce back in 2022, whatever the lineup is, and, and get back to normal Penske wins? Or do we feel like this could be a long-term thing where Team Penske is considered consistently fighting with several other teams for wins uh i mean i I think they have what willpower back next year and he's still capable of winning races Uh, i mean i he's older but he's still capable joseph newgarden's probably one of the best drivers in the series right now still even though he hasn't won a race this year scott mclaughlin this is his rookie year so next year i think he'll perform better just because he'll know all the tracks and have that experience and have you know more of a normal season I mean, the first handful of races this year weren't quite back to whatever whatever normal is moving forward. Um, and then the the other car, whether they have it with Simon or someone else or not having it, I mean, I don't. I, I think it's more of a blip on the radar. I'm not really concerned about Team Penske moving forward. Right. I think they'll win a race this year still. And, I mean, they're still – it's not like they're – this is not like the seasons in the late 90s where they were just completely lost. Right, absolutely. Um, we always have to end the show with a prediction, usually in race weekends. We don't have one this this week, but uh, does Red Bull win at its home track this weekend in Formula 1? Um, I'm not sure if they win the Styrian Grand Prix, but I'm feeling pretty confident the following weekend they're going to win the uh, Austrian Grand Prix. And those are both at the Red Bull <laughs> ring? Yes. Gotcha. Very nice. No, no I, I, I think <laughs> they will perform quite well this weekend. This is, this is a fun track for F1. Uh, yeah, a lot of passing zones. A lot, lot better than the French GP. Yeah. And Paul and, Ricard. Yes. And, and even, you know, today came out some changes at Abu Dhabi that would hopefully help passing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, maybe we'll, we'll see about that. Yeah, for sure. But uh, yeah, that's our F one segment of the of the week. But we will have <laughs> open wheel racing this weekend from the steering from the Red Bull ring steering Grand Prix. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to that Sunday morning, and then next week, of course, we'll be back as uh, we get set for a holiday weekend, uh, Mid Ohio race weekend, and hey, maybe we could have some news in between now and then. Yeah, let's fingers let's crossed. Try that. Fingers crossed for that. But uh, for Justin Kinney, I'm Caleb Hatch. Thanks again for joining us on another episode of New Track Record Podcast. Podcasts by Federated Media.